Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with S.D. Thames, the author of a fantastic new legal thriller, Foreclosure, which was released last month. S.D., welcome. Thanks a lot for having me on your show today. I have to tell you, I am... This this book of yours hit a lot of hot buttons of mine in, in terms of reader interest. I, I really enjoy legal thrillers. I love crime fiction set in Florida. I really love crime fiction set in southwest Florida, even if it's a fictional town. And then you throw in a situation that I lived through myself, and you've got something that caused me to start reading the book on a Friday night and finish reading it on a Saturday morning. So it was pretty much a straight-through read except for a few hours of sleep. So I love the book, and I'm thrilled that you're here with us today. Well, great. I'm I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm a big fan of your podcast. And I did. Uh, I read that you were located in Naples, and I thought, well, this this might be something that would interest him. So I uh, contacted you, and very grateful that you're having me on. Well, we will we'll get into why it why it's something that I lived through. But first, let's talk about the book. Give us give us sort of the storyline for the book, and that'll probably probably become fairly obvious to listeners um, what what it was that we both lived through down here. Yeah, so the, the title of the book is Foreclosure, and it is a uh, offbeat legal thriller really set in 2008 in southwest Florida. As the year is coming to the end, of, or as 2007 is coming to an end, the uh, protagonist, David Friedman, is up for partner, and he's really a, a sure shot to make it. Uh, but the only problem is that his law firm is changing their partnership rules because of the the housing crisis and the uh, recession. And as a result, uh, they don't make David partner. They tell him they want to see uh, what he can do during the next year to generate some business, since that hasn't been his strong suit. He's a really good attorney. He's really good at what he does. Uh, but he had not been a rainmaker up until that point, and they had never expected him to be a rainmaker. Uh, but in the new ec- economic climate, they want to see if he can make some rain. Uh, so he considers leaving the firm, but his mentor, Terry Jenkins, talks him into sticking around and tells him, you know, if the firm doesn't do him right, he'll leave with them and they can start their own firm, uh, but encourages him to go out and, and do, see what he can do. Uh, so he does that, and ultimately he ends up landing uh, who's what seems to be the client of his dreams, a guy named Frank O'Reilly, who had uh, developed a lot of residential communities in southwest Florida. And uh, with a lot of the money he had made, he, he sunk it into a new golf front uh, condo project called the Gaspar Towers. Uh, David uh, doesn't know at the outset, but comes to find out that unfortunately Frank is embroiled in years of mortgage fraud and actually a murderous conspiracy uh, to cover that up. Uh, which becomes clear as he gets into uh, representing Frank and his companies and uh, ultimately finds himself you know, at the center of it and having to, to question everything about himself uh, you know, as a lawyer and you know, as a human, really, what, what ethics means. So it's very much a, a, a novel about uh, that, that time in Florida, but it's also a novel about uh, legal ethics and uh, just frustrations, I think, that anybody has with uh, with where they may be in their career. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of it, you said you lived through it. It was stuff that I lived through as well, although, you know, everything that happens to David is fictitious, but it's it's based loosely on, you know, things that I and other lawyers were going through during that time. 
You mentioned that we'd both lived through this down here. I live in Naples, which is a little bit south of the fictitious town uh, that that you built for the, the setting of foreclosure. And in Naples, we were hit pretty hard down here, like a lot of places in the state of Florida, like a lot of places in the country. But there were these towers that were built right before uh, the bubble burst. And there are, you know, there were these empty towers that just sat there like monuments to, I don't know, unfulfilled dreams, I guess. And, right. and at least down here, everybody and their brother was was bri- buying pre-sale anything. All you had to do was announce that you were, you were launching a new project and it would sell out before you even broke ground. And it, you know, people would look at you as though you were a fool if you weren't doing that. Right. And then the bubble burst. And you capture that uh, so well in this book. You know, the, the, the things that, that Frank did, Frank, a big time developer, a, a very realistic, in my mind, character, because these guys are like gods walking the earth uh, yeah. during great economic times. And you, you, captured that, you captured that perfectly. The whole ethos of everything. And then David, who had worked for seven years to become a partner, and then the rug is essentially pulled out from under him. And everything that he's going through, it's just one of these books that just kept me reading because, A, I wanted to know what happened. I was worried about David. And it's just, I I was really astounded to find that this was a first novel for you. Um, I appreciate hearing that. Uh, it, It was my first novel. After I started practicing law, well, let me back up. Before that, uh, in undergrad, I, I majored in literature. I did not really take many writing classes, but I, I felt like I wanted to be a writer. Uh, but I, I really felt like I had nothing to write about. Uh, that I don't know if that would make sense to a writer or not. But I, I think really what it was was just my own anxiety about what I was going to do with my life. And I, I ended up going to, uh, to law school. And doing pretty well in law school, and then I started working at a you know huge uh, national firm uh, when I graduated, and uh, it didn't take very long that the writing bug came back to me, and I just felt this urge to write. I didn't really have time to write, but I, I made the time, and at that point, I actually started by writing screenplays. I wrote one back in uh, 06 and 07 and entered it into a contest, and it actually got some attention and, and had landed me a, a manager for a little while who uh, you know, talked to me about moving out to, to L.A. and pursuing that. And unfortunately, that was right when uh, the events in foreclosure were happening, and uh, it just didn't make any sense to, uh, to walk away from the job that I had in that economic climate uh, to pursue something that I, I still thought at that time I was a pipe dream. So I, uh, I stopped writing screenplays. I realized that, uh, you know, to write a screenplay and to, to do anything with it uh, is nearly impossible. Uh, it's hard to sell the screenplay. It, it, it's really just kind of a calling card out there to get you possibly in your foot in the door for, for uh, another kind of job. But the writing bug uh, didn't leave me, and I decided to, to try my hand at uh, commercial fiction. And I had learned a lot from uh, studying screenplays about structure and uh, just plot, things that I hadn't studied in literature. Literature was all, you know, really about theme and meaning and, uh, you know, the, the politics of, of what you're writing or reading. Um, but studying film, I, I learned a lot about plot structure that I've been able to apply to uh, 
to fiction, and I think that uh, made writing this novel, uh, you know, much easier. I wrote it over a course of uh, a few years, um, when you include the time I spent revising and and mm-hmm. editing it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to hear that that uh, you were surprised it was a a debut a debut novel. One of the things that makes a novel great, in my mind, is the observations of the character, and that's what brings the setting to life and makes the character interesting. And in in David, you, you have someone who sees the world in his own special way, and we're able to see the world through his eyes during this time of intense pressure, and there were some scenes in there. There's one scene in particular um, Early on in the book, there's a cocktail party for developers uh, where um, Frank O'Reilly is going to be named Developer of the Year or something, some sort of an awards banquet for him. And David is there just making observations on the characters that were there at that party. And it was as though you were channeling John D. McDonald when (laughs) David was making those observations. I actually highlighted that section so that I could go back and read it again. But that's always a good thing when, when it appears as though you're channeling John D. McDonald. Yeah, I'm I'm very flattered by that. Um, he's one of my favorite uh, writers. He's the kind of writer. Sometimes I'll read his book and I want to just put it down and, and give up on writing because <laughs> I think you know I could never do that. Um, I mean, just some of his his uh, descriptions and his characterizations. So, yeah, to uh, to hear that certainly makes my day. Thank you. He had he had such a unique way of looking at Florida and what was going on in Florida, and even though a lot of it was. 30, 40 years ago, it's, yeah. it still seems true today. It's, it's a lot of the same issues. It's still the environment, the development, all these yeah. different things that are going on. Uh, yeah. Another one of the features of David, the protagonist in the book, is his interest in music. I'm wondering if that comes from you. It does come from me. Um, I, I also play the guitar like David. Uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to uh, be a rock guitarist, and, and fortunately, I did not pursue it <laughs> because I really don't have the, the skills uh, to do it. When I finished uh, an earlier draft of the novel, I gave it to a, a friend of mine, really a, a good friend of my brother's, who likes crime fiction, and, and he read it and provided me with some uh, comments on uh, David and what he thought was lacking. You know, at that point, there really wasn't much of the the music there, uh, so I, I did a revision and and I fleshed that out, and I, I think it made the uh, the world of a difference for the novel. But yes, um, I'm a big fan of music, and um, you could say I can really relate to his frustrations there. I think anybody who uh, used to play uh, a guitar or any kind of instrument once you get into uh, you know, demanding profession, you miss it, and and you uh, you you uh, yearn for the days when you had time to to pick it up and play it. Um, so I was able to channel that into his character and his situation, uh, you know, in a much different way. And I even had it, uh, you know, relate to his father, who was a uh, an excellent uh, blues musician who you know died when David was in high school, and so that's that cast a, a dark shadow over his life, and really the the music for him it, it just becomes part of the. Uh, the character arc. And it's interesting that what you just described, the idea of a friend telling you that 
you know, something was missing. And then, and then putting in the music, it, it's not like you had to rewrite the whole story to put the music in. It's just interspersed throughout the story in little bursts. There are uh, occasionally uh, some song lyrics that tie in perfectly with what's going on in his mind. And then just the thought of this guitar that's, you know, just keeps popping up through the story. Um, it, and it really did help to flesh David out in a way that made him much more likable, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was really a, a good learning experience for me, and I'm very grateful to the uh, the guy, Jason, who provided those comments. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed that. All right. As, as I understand it, this, this book, this fictional town that you created is or was essentially Fort Myers, Florida. Yes, it is based loosely on Fort Myers. Okay, Fort Myers. I live in Naples, which is, uh, depending on how you go, it's uh, maybe 35 miles south of there. And Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Lehigh Acres, there's a there's an area there that was sort of a fault line almost yes. for the uh, for the economic uh, collapse and the housing crisis. And the entire area down here was devastated. Now, we have seven years. We're seven years away from that. And housing prices are starting to skyrocket again. Are, are yep. you starting to see any parallels? Yes. I, I think that uh, the, the entire process uh, could be starting all over. Um, we're, you know, down in Miami, we're back to having bidding wars on, on condos, whereas, you know, just uh, a few years ago, um, you know, what you said about your, your condos there in, uh, in Naples was also the case down there. I mean, you had a, a lot of projects that were just sitting vacant, and now they're having bidding wars on those. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that uh, we really learned much of anything from, from the debacle. It does seem like everybody's gearing up to, to do it again. I guess the only difference uh, maybe is, you know, the banks are not as – as ready and willing to to lend the money at. I think that was the thing that really made uh, what happened in 07 and 08 possible, that the banks were just lending money to to anybody and then, uh, you know, selling the paper. And uh, I don't think that we're, we're back to that point yet, but I, I do think as prices continue to increase, we could see that happen again. You mentioned that it took a couple of years to write the book. Where do you find the time in between a demanding law practice and a family? Where do you find the time to actually get the writing in? You just have to make the time. Um, and I have, I've, I've tried experimenting uh, to see how that works for me. And in general, it works best if I just wake up early and do it before I do anything. I, I think that there is uh, something magical about getting out of bed and just starting writing, even if you have it outlined and you know where you're going. But for me, that is when I uh, produce some of my best writing. And um, I also have to just fit it in wherever I can. If I have a little time on lunch break, I'll pull out my uh, my laptop and, and work on it. And if I'm traveling, I'll do it at the hotel or I'll do it at the airport or at the coffee shop, wherever I'm at. Uh, but you just have to make it a, a priority and uh, you know, get it done like you, you do uh, anything else in life because uh, the time is not there, but I just have to make it. All right, one last question, and this is something that I ask to every attorney that, that I've interviewed that does that writes crime fiction. What makes attorneys so good at storytelling? I think it's because we deal with conflict, and stories at their, their core really are conflict. If you try to write a story that doesn't have any conflict, it's going to be pretty damn boring. <laughs> but we deal with conflict every day. 
and we we learn how to deal with it. Uh, you know, I'm a litigator, so I deal with dispute resolution. I help my clients resolve conflict. But you know, I, I mentioned that when I um, was an undergrad, I didn't feel like I really had anything to write about. Well, now after I've been a lawyer for 11 years, I feel like I I don't have enough time left on this earth to uh, write everything that I've been inspired to write. So it, it, it's just a combination of, of uh, this profession. And I think a lot of it is the characters we run into, too. There are some very eccentric characters out there in, in the legal profession and in the clients that we represent, uh, who, again, are, are, are just make excellent fodder for, for fiction and, and stories. So what's next for you? Well, right now I'm working on a new mystery series um, that I am 99% sure that I'm going to publish as serials. Um, it's going to be titled, uh, the first part at least, A Mighty Fortress. And it's about another transplant from the Northeast who moves to Florida. His name is Milo Porter. He's a private investigator who works for lawyers. That's his bread and butter. But he moved here, and he's a war veteran. He has post-traumatic stress disorder. And he moved down here just to uh, get away from everything and, and to enjoy the, uh, the sunshine and try to live a laid-back life. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still finds himself getting in, in lots of trouble. And um, um, it's, uh, it'll be a series, unlike uh, Foreclosure, which may have a sequel or, or two down the road, but it's not something I envision being a series. Um, but I'm working, what I'm working on right now will be an ongoing series that I hope to, to have several uh, follow-ups on. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Where can people buy Foreclosure? Uh, they can buy it at uh, Amazon. I have it on Amazon right now exclusively. Okay. And if uh, you can just search for Foreclosure Novel or uh, SD Thames, T-H-A-M-E-S, and uh, that should uh, pop up. I also have a, a few short stories on there that I think are, are worth checking out for people who like uh, legal thrillers. And what's the best way for people to keep up with you? You've got this new series with Milo Porter coming out. So how, how should we follow you and your work? You can go to my website. That's www.sdthames.com. And uh, there, there's a link where you can sign up for my newsletter, uh, which will let you know uh, when the first Milo Porter comes out. And you can also uh, uh, connect with me on, on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, my Facebook is facebook.com forward slash sdtims. And my Twitter handle is at sdtims. FL. I had to add the FL onto SD Tim's for Twitter to get that handle. I have that same FL at the end of mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was taken right. <laughs> so thanks so much for being with us today. I appreciate oh, my it. My pleasure. I, I really appreciate it too. And, and thanks for your podcast. It's great. Thank you. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do pop by the website, please sign up for the email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Foreclosure from S.D. Thames. Thanks for listening.